Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Hello, everyone, and welcome into another episode of the Next Gen Podcast here on the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network. And this week, we have Sean Coleman. He also works at Grizzly Bear Blues. Uh, on this week's episode, Sean, how you doing today? Doing all right, man. What's going on with you, Bryson? How how is everything going? Uh, I, I know it's been a while since we've talked, but with our Tennessee Grizzlies fandom, it's it's kind of a bittersweet but exciting moment. You know, football season is is wrapping up, unfortunately, in a more disappointing way than we had hoped. But the, both the Vols and Grizzlies are trending all right, despite last night's performance by the Grizz. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I I feel like we're kind of we're some of the only ones that is Vols and Grizzlies fans because obviously it's mostly Tigers fans. So it's always funny to see like your tweets and my tweets during the Tennessee games because it's like everybody else is worried about other stuff. So it is kind of funny. Uh, but yeah, I'm very excited still. You know, um, with what they did, and then excited for what the Grizzlies are going to do the rest of the season. Uh, even despite how bad the game against Minnesota was. Uh, as we're recording this, this is probably going to drop on Friday morning, but as we're recording this, this is the morning after the Grizzlies lost to the Timberwolves in Minnesota, uh, 109-101, which honestly, the fact that it was even that close is kind of surprising. It's one of those things where, like, even in the first half, like, they led after the first half, but it didn't feel like they should have been, and I think that's, and, and it's almost like one of those things where it's like, you turn the ball over 27 times. And at the end of the game, you still have a chance to win. Like, it's just one of those things that didn't make any sense. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. But just like first takeaways from that game, if you have any, uh, obviously the turnovers and the free throws. I mean, that's the two things everybody's going to look at. But yeah, I'm not necessarily worried about the turnovers because, you know, those will take care of themselves. And, you know, the other thing about it is, is that, um, you know, you're missing. Um, you know, one of your better playmakers in, in uh, Desmond Bain. You know, the, the thing that stands out about Bain is that not only was, you know, his playmaking improved, but also that's a source of finishing your playmaking, right? You know, with his scoring ability. So on, on both ends, you know, that'll, that'll get improved. 
you know, the free throws are what they are. Um, that that is the Achilles heel of this team. Um, I don't want to go as far as to say a fatal flaw, but that legitimately could be something that could, you know, win or lose us a playoff series. And the Grizzlies are aware of this. They know this. This is not something that's secret. I will say um, that uh, it is um, worse this year than it has been in the past, but Zaire Williams is a good free throw shooter. Obviously, Desmond Bain is as well. And you're probably going to have those guys, you know, move up your ladder in terms of guys that are going to be, you know, taking free throw shots as time goes on. So, you know, that'll, it is what it is. That's got to improve. We know it has to. If it doesn't, it's going to be something we have to overcome. If it does, it's going to, you know, take us hopefully to the next level. But Bryson, I just go back to this. You know, last night was, you know, I tweeted it out the, the only the second time in the past 28 years since, you know, they it's basically happened, what, twice in your lifetime? I'm ashamed to say it's happened more than that in my lifetime. But my point <laughs> is, is that um, it was rare with just how bad the Grizzlies played. And you're going to have uh, nights like that. Uh, you know, former GBB or Justin Lewis had a, you know, a saying that he had, you know, that during any NBA season, there's going to be five games where you just are not going to win that night, and there are going to be five games where nobody's going to beat you, and then the rest are kind of up in the air. Last night was one of those nights, and so that's that's why I tweeted out about last this year being similar to last year. It was just one night. It's a bad game. It happens. We know that it happens in Minnesota. We've been able to move past it before and be just fine. We'll do the same this time. Yeah, I like I like that you said it like that uh, that that saying from Justin because when you look at it, I mean. You can think about it like the Pelicans game was one of those games where it's like they were not going to lose that night. And that and it felt like they were kind of turning the corner. And then, you know, Knicks game up in the air. And then you have one where it was like last night. Like I said, even though they were winning at halftime, I think they already had like 13, 14 turnovers in the first half. So it was, it was kind of one of those things where it was just very sloppy the entire game. Uh, but like I said, it's it's not something I'm necessarily worried about. Uh, the only things that I would worry about are like kind of I, I, I look at like trends and kind of stuff like that. And the free throw shooting was the number one thing. Like you said, the turnovers aren't going to continue to be a problem. Uh, but one thing that I would say might be a problem is I've noticed that it seems like they've struggled to like close quarters. Mm -hmm. And I think that's been uh, really maybe even going back to last season, they had some struggles with that. But I feel like this year they they you know, they get out to these leads. They might come out hot in the, at, at the beginning of the quarter. And then I think it's well, partly because Ja goes out of the game and Jaron goes out of the game. And then it's like the bench comes in and that's when it kind of gets a little iffy. Now, part of that is because the bench is not the bench that they were expecting to have because of the kind of injuries that they've had. But uh, I, I think just kind of going into this, uh, and I mean, it does also help because, I mean, Kyle Anderson did play on the other side last night. And that's the thing everybody talks about. You know, Kyle left uh, De'Anthony Melton not being there anymore. Uh, so what do you think about the Grizzlies depth so far this season? And do you think it's just like an injury thing or do you think there's actually uh, like some problems that they're going to have to fix with that right now? It's growing pains. That, that, that That's absolutely what you're looking at here. You 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 went from having DeAnthony Melton and Kyle Anderson, two players who fully understood what their strengths were and where they can succeed as players and as role players. You moved on from them, and the reason why the Grizzlies moved on from them is because they offered more value in the regular season than the playoffs. They routed back with David Rowdy and um, uh, uh, Roddy and uh, Jake Laravia and want to give bigger roles to John Conchar and Zaire Williams because they feel that that combination puts them more in place to be able to add more value in the playoffs. And what's the result? 
you've got young players who are stepping up into bigger roles than they've ever had before. Plus you're giving significant minutes to rookies. It's growing pains and it happens. And, and, and anybody that expects for this to be at the level that it was last year with Melton and Kyle Anderson, it's hard to expect that. So it doesn't surprise me. You know, I, I do think at times that Roddy probably gets a bit more playing time than he should. And that's nothing against David Roddy. I just think that his development's going to take a bit longer. Once we get Zaire back, I want Roddy to get the Santi Aldama treatment, send him down to South Haven, let him cook and let him make it happen. But it's growing pains and, and, and that's fine. The Grizzlies are fine with the growing pains being in place because their focus, as you can see, we're 12 and 9, despite all the struggles of the bench, their focus is where is this going to be at playoff time? And at that point, do you have John Conchar? Do you have Zaire Williams? Do you have Jake LaRavia offering shot quality that's going to help our depth be able to provide value from distance in the playoffs? That's the main focus. And so right now, if you're going through growing pains to get to that point, the Grizzlies are perfectly fine with it. Yeah, and I think that's always kind of been – the the view of the front office is that they they know that sometimes it might take a little bit of time for the team to get together. Uh, like you even look at last season, they always talk about they started nine and ten, ended up having the most wins in franchise history. Not sure if they're going to get back to fifty six wins this year. Not necessarily because the team is worse, but just because I think everybody's a little bit better. I think that's why you kind of look at it. Like even, I know the Suns are still first, but they're not running away with the first place like they were this time last year. Like they started last year, like 22 and three or something crazy like that. Uh, so it's like that, like the Grizzlies are still, I still think they're in a good position to get like a top three seed in the West, just based on what's going on. Uh, but I do like that. You mentioned David Roddy. Cause I, I feel like David Roddy has gotten too much blame. Like, to start the season whether that's on social media whether that's on from other people talking about the games that I see uh I feel like he's gotten too much blame for stuff because I think people are forgetting that out of everybody on the bench like him and Jake LaRavia they're rookies like they've never played an NBA game before he's only 20 games into his first year as as an NBA player and I think that there's other guys on the bench that you might need to look look to because I would say like Tyus has not been as good this year as he was last year. Not to say that he's not still a good player and I still think he can turn it around, but he's going to have to be better. I think Brandon Clark is going to have to be better as well. And those are guys that are veteran guys that you can look at that they need to improve. Not to say that Roddy hasn't had his problems. Like David Roddy has had some problems on the defensive end. Uh, He's had some tough matchups too. I mean, he had to guard Luca his third game in the NBA like that's not something that you're expecting him to do well in uh but then you look at last night he was the only person on the team uh with a positive plus minus he was plus 13 while everybody else was negative and he had that one little stretch uh near the end of the game where he hit those two threes and then had a drive to the basket and it and it's like you you can see you can see the potential and I think that's why I like what you said like maybe send him down to the G League for a little bit, let him get some games under his belt, kind of the same thing that it was Santi Aldama. Because I'll say, like, last year, I think Santi Aldama and Zaire Williams both looked worse than Roddy does right now at the beginning of last season. And you saw how good Zaire got to be by the time they hit playoff time. So I think if you just – you just got to give him time. I think that's that's where I'm at on it. Uh, just You just got to give him some time to – the NBA – it's so hard to adjust to an NBA schedule – uh NBA speed all of that so I think they just need to give him some time and I think I think he'll figure it out and I don't mean to use it as a crutch a crutch 
to go back to last season. But it's, it's, it's so many people mentioned it, and they were correct in that this is just a mirror image of last season, Bryson. Last year at this time, what were we talking about? We were talking about Zaire Williams in the minutes that he was playing to your point, being one of the worst regulars that was out there, statistics showed of players that were playing his minutes in the NBA, he was offering some of the least value out there. And what was the conversation? Well, when Dylan comes back from injury, when he was injured at this point last year, when Dylan comes back from injury, things will get better once he gets Zaire's minutes. Well, it's the same thing this time. And so it's not a blame on Zaire like or last year. It's not a blame on Roddy this year. It's just a natural progression of things is that when you're going to get the more experienced players back, give them the minutes and let your rookies be able to cook in favorable situations. So absolutely, you hit the nail on the head. Roddy is going through growing pains. It was expected with him. When, when uh, Zaire Williams and Desmond Bain come back, you basically put Roddy in the Santi Aldama situation that you had last year, give LaRavia a similar role that Zaire had last year, and obviously Bang goes into the starting lineup, and you basically have Conchar coming off the bench as well. So all of this will figure itself out. At the end of the day, though, the Grizzlies are putting emphasis on these players figuring out as they go along, and that's going to pay off just like it did for Zaire last year and Santi over the summer and into this year. Yeah, definitely. And like like you said, like the injuries have been a big issue. Like I, I'll say that just looking around the NBA, obviously there are some teams that have had like longer injuries to their star players. Uh, like you look at uh, the Sixers with Maxi being out and stuff like that. Dame has missed a lot of time for Portland. But I don't know if there's another team that has had – well, and like Chris Middleton for the Bucks. Like you can go to team by team. Every team has injuries. But I don't know if there's a team that has had as many injuries to different players – for like whether it's only two games or three games or a week or so where it's like it's really hard I feel like it's hard for them to kind of get in a rhythm and get chemistry with each other if you continue to have a different guy going out and that and when people always say like it's not necessarily that the Grizzlies get to fully healthy but I mean you look at it now they're 12 and 9 I think they're sitting at like fourth in the west and Josh Aaron and Bain have not played a game together yet and it's like you got to think if you have all the three all of those three guys on the court together, it's going to fix a lot of problems. Not that it's going to fix every problem, but a lot of that is going to be fixed when you can actually have your three best guys on the court at the same time. And I think that's something that not it, not that it's getting overlooked, but it's like there are people that are worried about the depth. I think you have to realize that this is not the bench that they're going to be going into a playoff series with because you're going to have Zaire, Conchar is not going to be in the starting lineup. Like you said, Conchar is going to be coming off the bench, which I think that's another big thing, right? Uh, Aldama, he's now coming off the bench because Jaron's back. He started most of the, he started the first 13 games of the season. And you also have to look at, you're going to be having a Jake LaRavia that has played, well, let's say 70 plus games in the NBA compared to 18 or 19. So it's just like all of that stuff on top of like the way that they develop these guys. I think that by the end of the season, the rookies are going to be a lot better than they are, and if the guys can stay healthy, I think they're I think they're going to have enough depth going into the playoffs. Absolutely, and the thing that stands out about it, Bryson, is this: is that you're right. You know, it's not just that. You know, other teams I feel have had you know just as impactful of injuries to their you know main players as we have, but it's the timing of things, right? At the end of the day, it's not how many players that you have injured; it's the fact that you can't ever get your best players in place. But here's the one thing to also remember: beyond the bench being in a good spot, 
when we do finally have full health in place, if that comes, and the main thing to have it is to have it at playoffs. But if we can at least get a month of full health in place during the regular season, that means night in and night out. You're going to have arguably the best backcourt in the NBA and one of the top offensive duos, maybe top five duos in the NBA, leading your offense in John and Bain. But with Dylan healthy and Jaron back, one other thing to remember, you've also got one of the best post-perimeter defensive combinations leading your defense. When Dylan was out last year before November 30th, the Grizzlies were last in the NBA in three-point defense. Once he came back and him and Jaron even played sporadically together, the Grizzlies were second in three-point defense from December 1st on. So the whole point is, is that the Grizzlies are not, their franchise is not really caring about what's going on in October, November, and even December. Get players healthy, get your depth there. But at the end of the day, if we can have our jawbane combination leading the offense, Dylan Jaron combination leading the defense, fresh and ready to go for the playoffs, we're going to be a team that's going to be a very tough out for anybody. And we can make even a Western Conference run this year in the right situation. Yeah, definitely. And I, the defense was something that was definitely a problem kind of start the season. But like you said, I think now with Jaron back and now with Dylan finally being back to 100 uh, percent and back in shape and everything like that, you can definitely tell that the defense has improved overall, uh, not just like perimeter defense either. They finally have rim protection, nothing against Santi, but he's not the rim protector that Jaron is right and I think that's something that's been uh, really important. I mean, even if you do look at that game last night, the re- I mean, one of the reasons why they were in the game is because the Timberwolves aren't a great offensive team without Carl Anthony Towns. It was basically like a lot of Anthony Edwards, which he was incredible. Like, he, he played an incredible game. Uh, so, like, shout out to Anthony Edwards for that. But it's one of those things where I don't think that they're one of those teams that without Carl Anthony Towns, you're looking at them to go out there and put up 130 points in a game. But the Grizzlies defense just in general has been a lot better because I know like I know at the beginning of the year, people were talking about like where they were in terms of like defensive rating and stuff like that. And they were almost they were like 27th, 28th. They're up to like 19th now, which is. Still not great, but you can see the improvement. And I still think that by the end of the season, they could very well be top 10 when you look at like defensive rating when you get to the end of the year. Because like you said, it, it is kind of a crutch to keep going back to last year because there's no, it's, it's not necessarily true that they're just going to do the exact same thing they did last year because maybe they won't. But you've got to think that when you have something that you can look back on, that it's like, we've seen this happen before. And I think that, they're start, it's it feels a lot like last year, but I'd argue they're still in a better position than they were last year at this point in the season because I think they have a better record than they did because they haven't been under 500 at all like they were. And the West as a whole, it's it's stronger, but because it's stronger, you have a better chance to get a higher seed because there's other teams that are losing more than they were last year. And I think that's that's the big thing to me. Yeah, and and just want to piggyback off that. I'll just go as far as to say is this. Right now, the Grizzlies don't – they care about their record and they care about winning, don't get me wrong. But are the Grizzlies focused on getting 56 wins this year, finishing second in the West, and potentially setting a new record for franchise wins in the season? 
I don't think that there's as yes, they do care, but is that as is that the top thing on their on their whiteboard in the uh, in the uh, locker room? I, I don't think so. And, and what I mean by that is this: is that last year proved to the Grizzlies that they've got the depth, they've got the flexibility to be able to rely on the roster that they put together to navigate them to the regular season. This Grizzlies team is focused on being in the best position for the playoffs. And to your point, when it comes to depth, when it comes to um, injuries, I don't expect for them to go 47 and 16 from this point on. I expect, though, once we get in full health, we're going to be just fine and we're going to comfortably be in the top six in the playoffs. And I think the Grizzlies are fine with that. If they finish third or if they finish fifth, I really don't think it matters that much. I just think that for this team, they realize that just like the Warriors benefited from Steph and Draymond and others resting during the regular season, it's freshness, it's health, it's chemistry, and that's what's going to be their focus. Yeah, for sure. And I think, like, not that the injuries will ever necessarily help, like, because injuries are always bad, but it does give guys like Roddy and LaRavia some more minutes early in the season, which I think could actually benefit them later in the year just because they're going to be just in a better rhythm. They're going to understand their role a little bit more. And it also will help if something does happen, if there's another injury late in the season, which if you look at the NBA, there's always something that happens around February, January, whether it's a couple weeks, uh, whether it's a month, like you got to expect that somebody else is going to go out at some point. And I think having those guys who have already played some uh, will help them. Uh, But then kind of going into that, since we were kind of talking about where they sit in the West, I think they do have a chance like this next stretch of games, they could have a chance to kind of take that step and kind of distance themselves a little bit from the back of the pack. Not necessarily that they're just going to comp- go 7-0 and in these next seven games, but they got six of the le- of the next seven at home. Uh, they're going to have some tough opponents. Like they still got to play the Hawks and they got to play the Bucks and they got to play the Heat at home. So those are not going to be easy games, but they sit right now. They're 7-2 and at home. Their defense is, has been better at home the entire season. Uh, like if you look at the the road, the home road splits, it's like almost like there's two completely different teams at times. So I do think this is a chance for them to kind of get some rhythm. Uh, you got to think that they're going to get some guys back, whether it's Zaire, which we haven't heard a lot about him. We don't know exactly what his timetable is right now because they haven't given an update. But between Zaire and Bain, you got to think that over this stretch, you get at least one of those guys back, I would say. You hope that you can get one of those guys back at least. And I think that's going to help a lot uh, for all the stuff we've been talking about with the depth. Uh, But, yeah, they got six of the next seven at home. Uh, What do you want to see from them over this stretch of games? Basically, I just want to see, you know, the subtle improvements. You know, I go to Dylan Brooks. I know that he didn't have the best of games last night. But one thing that is really impressing me about Dylan Brooks is that when you look at the overall numbers, there's not anything that really stands out that just shows, hey, Dylan Dylan is heading to a career year. But you also look at the overall composition of his numbers and you start to realize there are some improvements there. You know, more of his shots are coming from three. More of he is showing better playmaking skills. He's showing better decision making. I want to look at that from everybody. You know, I, I want to see that. You know, we talked about David Roddy last night. 
Grizzlies played their worst game of the season. Well, who people were pointing out as their worst player actually may have been their most valuable player last night. That's a positive to build off of. So continuing to see just those subtle improvements, and that's what you're going to get. Jaron continuing to show his versatility inside and out. The confidence that he has with his body on offense. I know that, you know, I've spoken as someone who, you know, would prefer for him to stay, you know, focused on the outside part of his game with his three-point shooting ability. But if he's got the ability to um, expose mismatches, down low or outside, by all means, do what makes the most sense. But it's just things such as that. Again, one thing that I think gets lost in the shuffle is that the Grizzlies are one of the five youngest teams in the NBA for what the third straight season. And I don't mean to use that as an excuse. I mean to use that as the fact that you're going to continue to see growing pains as you change the composition of the roster. But you're also the one key takeaway from this, Bryson, is that when you look at our four best players right now being Jod, Dylan, Jaron, and Bain, you can honestly say that in their time on the court, you have seen noticeable improvements from all four of those players. That is a huge key takeaway that should help us in this stretch where we can win some games, be able to win five or six, you know, out of eight or seven or, you know, out of 10, like we did at the beginning of December last year. Yeah, for sure. And th- th- this is the time where, like you said last year, this is where they kind of took off. Uh, but yeah, I-, I like what you said mentioning like Jaron too, because I think the biggest thing that I've noticed is how aggressive he's been on offense, which I do agree. Like I- I'm fine with him shooting threes, which like I don't have a problem with him shooting threes because he's proven that he can hit them, especially in clutch time. I think he's one of the better clutch three point shooters on the team. I mean, it's between him and Bain if you need a three at the end of the game. So I, I think that that's something that's fine, but I think he is at his best still when he's playing inside out and he kind of gets in a rhythm on the inside because I feel like once he, I feel like a lot of his game comes with confidence. I mean, I think he's extremely confident uh, overall, but I think that one of the things that uh, kind of helps him is if he kind of starts out at the beginning of the, in, at the beginning of the game, gets some easy buckets, it helps a lot. So I think that that's something that we're going to continue to see. I like that he's been aggressive. Uh, but, yeah, uh, I th- thanks for coming on. Before we kind of end, I just want to ask, what are some of your what are some of your favorite moments from the season so far? Uh, if, if you have any or maybe some favorite games and stuff like that. Oh, absolutely. The the one that stands out to me uh, was, I forget what game it was, but Desmond Bain was struggling through the first, what, three or four games of the season, and then all of a sudden he comes out and has that 30-point um, you know, half. He goes on that heat check and it just absolutely takes him to the next level that he you know, basically was riding until he unfortunately got lost due to injury. Um, so that was definitely one of the better moments. Um, I, I feel like that you know, Jaron's um, game in which he, um, I, again, I forget which game it was, but when it was his second game, when he, you know, was the first player to have so much productivity in less than 25 minutes uh, of game action, those type of things. I think the thing that stands out to me are the moments that we saw jaw recently, you know, being able to have, you know, his stretch where he had excellent playmaking after Charles's, you know, comments, you know, Sir Charles, you know, Hey, love him. He's all about creating content, but it gets a little annoying when he goes after players like he does. My point is though, these moments where our best players have shown that they can take their game to the next level when they need to. And, and, and just especially Jaron, I'm most excited about Jaron, you know, in his first five games, first time he scored 20 plus points in four straight games in his career, you know, before last night, really exciting. So the things that have stood out to me is our best players taking their games to an unexpected level when they needed to, to get the job done. 
Yeah, and I, I, I agree with that. I think for me, it, it, it goes along those lines. I will say, I think that even though that game last night was really bad, I think that that run from David Roddy is going to be one of my favorite moments of the season just because he did it like in front of his family and stuff. And it was like his whole family got to watch him play in the NBA for the first time. And he has his best game. So I, I did like that part. But I'll go back to, like you said, that Thunder game with Jaron, that was huge. I still think that first Nets game was my favorite game of the season so far. And I think it's just because you see KD and Kyrie are both on a heater. And it's like you have two guys that can go shot for shot with them and win that game. Like you have them, I think they combined for 70 points. And it's like you go into the game, you hear, oh, KD and Kyrie, they both had 35 but then you have two guys that have 37 and it's just, and, and I think that, I think that might be my favorite game of the season so far. Uh, and that was one of my favorite moments. And then if I had to go to a specific play, I still think my favorite play of the season is the Josh steal against the Pelicans where he jumped up and caught it and then uh, took it down and got the fast break bucket. Because I think it kind of shows like how I, I feel like people don't credit his IQ as much as they should. Just because they think, oh, the flashy dunks, he can jump out of the gym, he's a great finisher. Like, he always gets credit for that. But I feel like people forget about how high of a basketball IQ he has. And just seeing the way he read the play and seeing him and Dylan, like, have that conversation of, like, hey, this is the play they're running. And knowing that if I jump up with my hands right here, that's where the ball's going. Even if I can't see the ball, I know what play they're running, so I know where the ball is going to be at. And I think it's just, like, little stuff like that and kind of seeing how they've grown into like still so early in their careers and they've already grown into some of the best players in the NBA in terms of basketball IQ and in terms of like scoring ability for Ja becoming one of the best scorers in the NBA and stuff like that. It's just been awesome to watch. And then just like their leadership ability too. I think that's the biggest takeaway uh, I'll say from the beginning of this year is seeing like, especially Ja and Bain kind of grow into the leaders of the team, maybe more than they were last year. Uh, and I think that's something that's just coming with them kind of growing up a little bit. Absolutely. And, and to your point, you know, and the Grizzlies kind of are putting together their, uh, their um, uh, um, John and Bain are putting together their list of taking on, taking head on, to some of the best combinations in basketball and, you know, being able to, you know, eclipse them. You know, they did it last year with Paul and Booker. They did it last year against KD and Harden. You know, obviously, you know, they they haven't had that much success against Tatum and, and uh, Jalen Brown. You know, maybe we'll get to see that in the NBA Finals, hopefully, uh, here over the next few years. But to your point, um, I agree. And, you know, it's fun that Jaw now has two signature defensive plays. Last year it was the block against the Lakers. This year it was that steal. And I do agree with you. The numbers don't necessarily reflected as much as I think that they should but his defensive impact and IQ certainly is there while he may not ever be just a, a you know true asset and one-to-one defense Jaws IQ and his overall athletic ability I feel has always made him a, a very good potential defensive playmaker especially off ball and I think that he's continuing to show that even getting blocks as well as steals you know being able to play help defense yeah, for sure, for sure. And Sean, thank you for coming on. Before we go, uh, can you just tell the people where they can find you and find all your content? Um, Actually, Bryson, he used to have me pinned as his 
favorite member of Twitter. I don't know if he still does or not, but all joking aside, you can find me at StatsSAC on Twitter. I, I'm, you know, I have an Instagram account and all that different stuff, but I'm, I'll be honest with you, I'm too old to try to figure all that stuff out. I got to learn from Bryson and, and the younger talents. But, uh, but yeah, no, you can find me at StatsSAC on Twitter. I also, you know, talk some Braves there as well. But you can find my writing at, at Grizzly Bear Blues and and at um, a BatteryPower.com for the Braves. And Bryson, I've told you this many times, man. Anytime I get to talk basketball with you and just in general, it's always a pleasure. You are an absolute stud when it comes to, you know, just knowing basketball on Grizzlies Twitter and things like that. And I think you're one of the best up and coming uh, talents out there when it comes to covering sports, including the balls. So it's always a pleasure, man. Keep doing the great work you do. I really appreciate that, Sean. Thank you for coming on. Like I said, it's always great to talk to you, uh, talk Grizzlies, Vols, whatever it is. Uh, one of the best follows on Twitter, Grizzlies Twitter, whatever. Always got the best stats uh, just of anybody on Grizzlies Twitter for sure. Uh, but as always, thank you to everybody who listened to this episode of the Next Gym Podcast. Remember to follow the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network with the core four, starting five, Grizzly Bear Bets, GBB Live. A lot of great podcasts coming on uh, for just the entire season. Uh, until next week, for Sean and Bryson, we're out.